All right, Matthew, welcome to episode 15 of the what? Vantage podcast. And oh, I'm pretty excited to talk about my experiences in overtraining. Um, and first of all, Matt, where are you and where have you been? Um, okay, well, first, I'm sad to say, actually, that we missed one week. Like, we had a really good like streak going there for like 14 weeks in a row or something 14 yeah that's pretty good um but i was in canada last week and we had this you know nice airbnb we we're staying at mont saint anne which is legendary for mountain biking did like lots of riding had races on the weekends weather was perfect but honestly the internet was so bad that even if i tried calling you like through the internet like there was such a bad delay that we just couldn't even do the podcast we tried for like a couple hours <laughs> pretty shocking yeah yeah we were in the middle of nowhere though um there was still snow on the ground so um where i am now in the states east coast u.s pennsylvania there's no snow on the ground the trees are all bloomed and everything's so, like it's nearly summer but up there in quebec there's snow on the ground the trees were just blooming um it was cold, um, but yeah, good trip, and uh, glad to be back in the states. All right, cool. Well, I haven't been up to much. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, you're in winter. I saw actually. I saw when you got up um, behind you, you were hanging your jacket. I was like, okay, yeah, it's raining in Rotorua, isn't it? It's not. It's just. It's not a jacket. It's just like a you know, just a, a warm sweatshirt. Okay. Okay. So it's to, not cold there at all. It's cold. It's definitely cold. I mean, it's winter in New Zealand, yeah. so it's it's not too bad. But yeah, I bike down, so you know, wind chill. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so you, your marathon wasn't that long ago. It was only about two weeks ago. So have you been just kind of resting lately? Uh almost like a hundred percent. This leads very well into our um, topic of overtraining. Um, yeah, like normally I'd be half ass um recovering you know where you're like oh yeah i'm definitely <laughs> recovering because i'm not classifying it as training um so so and then you just end up you know prolonging your recovery period from two weeks to a month but yeah i've done uh, i think two mountain bikes and two runs over like just over two weeks so i was uh, quite good. proud of myself but that was I did not want to do it at all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. You needed it then. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I was like, I was cooked. I was done. I put in a lot, a lot of effort um, into training for the for the for the marathon, like a lot. Like I committed to trying to push my limits, like beyond what I trained and and um, thought of like my physical abilities. So, yeah, I was happy with that. Not happy with the the result, but obviously like. It's out of your control, kind of. Um, so, yeah, getting back into it, quite motivated to get back into it. Got to lined up another hundred k race in about fifteen weeks. Okay, okay. So, fifteen weeks, plenty of time to get ready after a yeah. break. Yeah, yeah, um, like for that, it's quite a flat race, and um, I'll use it as like a stepping stone towards. Um, not sure, something else. Something like two hundred k's, just a <laughs> little bit of a warm up. I don't know about that. Before, maybe. Yeah, you'll have to do the the Leadville Trail 
don't they do a 100 mile run? Yeah, those are like, I was like, oh, I shouldn't, I need to start like a bucket list of races. And there's the, um, yeah, the Leadville one, the um, Western States, the Hard Rock. Um, there's a few. The one yeah. in Australia, that's pretty cool. Oh, there you go. There you go. Next list. The next one on the list. Yeah. Um, all right. So overtraining, Matthew, how would you, how would you classify it? Because it often gets bantered around like overtraining. Like there's just the blanket term that we use. Yeah. Like someone gets done with a race and they're like, oh, I'm overtrained. Like, well, okay. What does that mean? Because when I think about it, I think about it in a bunch of different levels. And we were talking about this before. And like, if you're an athlete and you're trying to get the best out of yourself and you're training, like you're always on that fine line between like, you know, normal training and doing, you know, the perfect amount and, you know, doing too much. So if you do too much, obviously that you're going to be flirting with overtraining. You can't do it for very long. Otherwise, you're going to dig yourself in a deep hole that you can't get out. But, you know, you still need to push your limits of your training so you can get the best out of yourself. Um, so, so there's that. Um, so we both were reading, like we looked at the research and we're like, okay, what's the best research to read for this podcast? And we settled on like a really good review article um, to read. And in that article, there were three different classifications pretty much of overtraining. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was, a, it was a great, great article. I'll link to it actually in the description. So if you want to check that out, it's a review, overall review of overtraining, but they had three classifications. So I guess starting at the, the most basic would be um, like very <laughs> acute overtraining, which is more what someone would consider I don't know, like just general fatigue from a big session. So if you went out and did th like a, a very long race, <clears throat> three to four hours or like two to four hour, whatever kind of race, whatever sport you're in, you know, the next day you're going to be pretty stuffed. Um, so that's like, yeah. that's like the smallest, um, like the most acute form of overtraining. Um, and that's just really termed fatigue. Uh, and then we get into short term overtraining or overreaching and that's that's the fine line i think where like you and i matt as coaches are always playing with where yes you want to definitely overtrain and in like a controlled form so that you can you know recover and get the and then get that super compensation um and so that can that can be yeah i guess a week to two weeks kind of thing um and that and then like a week or two weeks reduced training load is going to get you back above where you were and then there's like overtraining or chronic overtraining which is just a continuous weeks and months of like over stimulus under recovery yeah and that's when you find yourself in a hole and um you you get just have no idea what's wrong with you and we both like we both speak from experience with this um because we both have like been overtrained yeah in all forms <laughs> yeah like you know but um you know kind of going back to so like that fatigue thing like that's just going to happen like you might be so you know those three levels of fatigue is the smallest level of overtraining it's just going to happen like you're going to be tired sometimes from a hard session or a hard event like that's just really part of it and you could go through like a whole season and just have a few of those and you could perform pretty well um at 
lots of events and um but then that overreaching thing that's an important thing that we do with our athletes to try and bring the very very best out of them and that controlled bit is i, I think the most important part because we want our overreaching periods to happen um, because they're so stressful we want them to happen you know one or two times a year ahead of the most important events yeah so we should what are the best ways to identify each i mean fatigue um you should have indications of your i don't know when you're you're tired or fatigued generally like you won't really need to look at any specific um i don't know data or metrics or um physical sort of cues for something like um, a really hard session you should just know like oh, i'm doing a really hard session today um you know let's say it's a wednesday and i've got a race on a saturday or another really big long weekend training then you go okay well if i trained hard on thursday and friday i'm going to be screwed and then saturday sunday is going to make me even more screwed like you sort of just understand okay if i train really hard i need a rest or if i do a race i'll have a rest so that's like it's it's hard to because everyone's going to sort of feel their for short-term fatigue in different ways so that's just you just need to recover after hard sessions um but then what about short-term overtraining matt because this is like for, for me what sort of i guess happened um leading into rotorua marathon there's a very blurred line like there's just a point in the the research that we read said you can just end up in overtraining it's so smooth and it's such a progression that you don't really know where you are on that spectrum yeah yeah there's no way to really know um okay so yeah we use our performance indicators like our you know standard performance test and that's one thing that you know my athletes don't really love going out and smashing themselves for for a time trial and to see what their power is, you know, every month or every six weeks. But it's really good because, you know, as we start to get tired, one of the first things to happen, you know, as we start to get into overreaching, one of the first things to happen is our performance reduces, right? So yep. for me, that's the best way to kind of track that because once our performance starts to go down, that's a really good indicator for me as the coach to pull back on the training and to, to bring the athlete into like peak form. Um, so that's why we we flirt with that overreaching and we get into overreaching and suddenly they're so tired, their performances dip and they're like, oh, I don't, I'm not sure if I want to do this session. And they'll contact me and say, um, you know, maybe can we change it up or I'm just feeling, haven't been sleeping well. Um, I'm like, okay, you know, this is good timing. This is exactly when we wanted it to happen because we controlled training throughout the whole season. Let's pull back on the training and bring the very very best out of you make that fatigue go away and keep that fitness really high and you'll be having your best results all year yep yeah i pretty much use that yeah a similar sort of concept like performance is the is the best indicator and um i just did a video if you check out my blog um i'll link to it on on base training and one of the things like I incorporated in, in or I always incorporate into base training, which most people would consider like, oh, you just do like a large amount of easy training zone one or two and continuously build your fitness. Like that's, that's the goal of it. Um, and this is like, 
a way a lot of people train for like ultra endurance events as well because there is no high intensity um sort of uh performance outputs in in an ultra endurance event but i incorporate high intensity um, progress measures like time trials uh, of 10 to 20 minutes um within a base phase because what i've found is like yes you can just like cruise along um in your base training and be like oh yeah i'm, I'm gaining fatigue this is this is normal i'm getting fitter i'm um this is all all going in the right direction but because it, the training's so uh, not necessarily easy but it's such a low intensity that fatigue can build up beyond what you realize um because you can still get out there and slog through a, another four-hour session another two-hour bike ride another two-hour run because you're like, oh, my heart rate's a bit high, but it's not that far off. Like, I don't really need to concentrate or pace of power. Now I'm just just trying to get large training volumes. Um, and without those like high intensity measures, you're not really having an objective look at like, how much fatigue do I have? Like, I know just in a general sense, um, for, for, for me personally, like around 17 to 17 and a half minutes for a 5k is like i should just be i can do that whenever so then when i go and do that within a base phase um to do a 5k time trial at you know like a park run or local club race and you're like i do like an 18 to 19 minutes like wow that was that was really hard <laughs> And um, even though I'm not like focusing on that top end stuff, like my top end stuff's more like a 16, you know, sub 16 minute. So even giving myself a minute, minute and a half buffer over 5Ks and I can't even get that. It's like, oh, well, I've, I knew I was tired, but I didn't realize, you know, I, I was that fatigued. Yeah, that's one of the things about like, uh, we did a video couple months ago about easy and overtraining so we kind of talked about both of these topics at the same time but one of the things that we didn't talk about is that like you actually can get tired by training easy and you won't notice it unless you go hard because the only time you start to notice you're gaining fatigue is when you have to start pushing it and uh, usually it's about like the best indicators like your lactate threshold kind of level which you know we talked about that as well and that's like the number one performance indicator for any endurance sport and, you know, if you're just training easy, you're not going to really hit that level. So if you don't hit that level, you're not going to notice whether you're fatigued or not. So if you're doing, you know, a bunch of easy uh, sessions every week, you might think you have no fatigue, but you're not really going to know unless you have like a, a high intensity session where you need to actually see how you're, you're going. Yeah. And this also goes into the, um, that training intensity, because when you're when you're focusing on a base or a non-specific block of training often we see that gray zone creep in you know we've got that zone one zone two and then there's like that gray zone three where it's like kind of anaerobic kind of aerobic there's no real benefit but when you start training there and you're like oh yeah i'm getting i'm, I'm definitely getting faster but what you're doing is is really is quickly building fatigue and so when you're you're like, oh, I'll do some hill intervals or something. Um, and you're like, oh, they were a bit off, but I'm in base phase, so it's kind of understandable. If you start to ignore that and you don't go like hard, hard or easy, easy, and you're going like somewhere in the middle and and then you're just, you kind of like, we've been there. You just fool yourself. Yeah, yeah. I'm smiling to myself now because 
like these things have like rang true to me <laughs> since I started biking and um you know like because we, we talked about it before and um like I don't really like I ride a lot but I don't like and I'll sometimes do like I'll test the structured sessions that I make for my athletes and things like that but besides that I don't I don't train but I ride you know sometimes I ride with people slower than me and sometimes I ride with people faster than me I always track what I'm doing um but sometimes I even trick myself into saying like oh well I'm not training I'm not really that tired even though I'm looking at the same exact data that I'd be looking at for one of my athletes um yeah it, it's just funny because you know uh, with us being self-coached um I don't know. Maybe we should coach each other or something like that, right? Yeah, I have I have <laughs> thought about that, but I also feel like it could, yeah, ruin our friendship. Yeah, that yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, I mean, it it could make it you know way better or just totally ruin it. <laughs> it. It would change the dynamic of the podcast, though. That's for sure. Yeah, maybe for this hundred um, k, you should coach me. Yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know much about running, but you know, maybe, maybe I could write the training. program and you could monitor my, um, my metrics. Yeah. Okay. That's the hard part actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you could, you know, maybe you could train me for an event. Yeah. A running one. No way. Oh, no way. No way. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I know. Well, you do have some good beginner running programs. Yeah. Yeah. I got yeah, uh, which... five weeks to 5k. You get that yeah um okay yeah i anyway, mean i'm anyway, an absolute beginner anyway. um, <laughs> um, <laughs> we should talk about it though offline we'll talk about um, it so then we yeah what about what about the chronic stuff wow you know we've yeah. sort of talked about the the lack of once you start to notice a, a decrease in your performance now because a lot of so what <laughs> what i've seen what i've done what you've done what most people do they see this like they think they've just been sort of training easy nothing real really specific odd hard session with your, your club you know your bunch ride club run or whatever but otherwise they, they think like like you i haven't been training i'm, I'm using like air quotes with my hands for those yeah. listening um yeah they haven't been training so then they go do a race and like oh man that's way shit. smoked <laughs> yeah <laughs> i should train harder yeah it's so then like and this is super this is the most important thing that we're going to talk about today because this happens all the time and it's mostly like people fall into the trap because they don't have some sort of measure that they're going off of to know what's actually happening they just go into an event and i've done it you've done it we go into an event and we're like i've been training easy the event didn't go that well i'm going to start adding in more intervals so I can get faster. Yeah. Yep. And then we begin the the downward trend. Yep. Because um, then you start adding more intervals, and then you get more tired, and then you perform worse, and then you add more intervals, and you get more tired, and you perform worse. And you know, if you say it that way, you know, it seems kind of silly, right? Like, oh, well, you probably should have known. But, um, but that's not the case. Like as athletes, like we're looking at it, like, 
like we're, we're so absorbed into what we're doing every day. We're not looking at it like, oh, maybe I should lay off a little bit because I'm too tired. So the most common trap is to fall into a trap of the cycle of poor performance and hard training over and over and over and over until you absolutely can't do anything. Maybe you develop chronic fatigue, which is uh, horrendous. Um, and then you get burnt out and you quit. And it happens all the time. Or um, injury. Yeah, it's, yeah, especially in runners. Cyclists, they have to ride like a lot to get uh, an overuse injury. But definitely in runners, like it can happen more quickly, can't it? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, very quickly. So there are, um, so then, yeah, we, we get into that overtraining um, situation. And there, there are more, a lot more um, cues to notice when that's happening. <laughs> So if um, for some people, it's like they'll get their niggles, their injuries, especially in running um, and then swimming, you know, those shoulder, the shoulder soreness, the overuse kind of things. Um, cycling, yeah, it is quite hard because there is like it's quite a it's a reasonably natural movement and there's no impacts. Whereas swimming, it's an unnatural kind of movement of the shoulder. So you can get overuse. You get. Yeah, some people get those injuries like myself there. I touch wood like I don't get injured I don't really um I've never had any major injuries or setbacks physically um except for when Sam Shaw took me on a mountain bike ride and I broke my shoulder blade um, <laughs> yeah. and but then I just jumped on the bike and started doing swift yeah uh like for me I just I just get so tired so that's the way my body reacts um is that I'll just get more and more tired um and then the hard part becomes like differentiating that tiredness between like your acute sort of tiredness um potentially maybe tiredness from from the work that i've been doing um and then like am i just being a pussy like do i need it like i'm trying to train hard i'm trying to like you know be a better athlete like get out the door like i'm motivated um so then you get that blurred sort of like oh yeah well I know that in a couple of weeks I have a, a rest week, so I'm tired, but I'm meant to be tired. I'll push through. I'll keep pushing through. Um, and then like my sleep deteriorates. Um, I start to crave sugar. Um, what else? Those are the, those are the main things. And then there are like those performance sort of decrements, but then yeah. I, I can justify those by the large training volume I'm doing and the rest I have coming up. Um, well, yeah. when you're doing it yourself, you just have this like really biased outlook on what's going on because like you have this plan in your head and you you know exactly how you feel and you can justify these different feelings based on, you know, maybe you walk to the grocery store and you're carrying two bags of milk and they're super heavy. And that's why two you're... Two bags of milk? It's well, I don't know. You know, gains. You know? More like a Gatorade. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like uh, piles of Gatorade and chocolate and uh, obviously not Powerade. We talked about that one. But um, yeah, so like you can you can just make something up to yourself to make yourself feel better and like, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. But, um, you know, those indicators, you know, that you mentioned like performance. So if you have an objective measure, like a performance test that you do all the time and if you track your sleep, like your sleep is going to be really poor once you start to get overtrained. For me, that's like, dead giveaway like my sleep like normally when i put my head on the pillow i'm asleep 
Um, but if it takes me a long time to fall asleep, I know I'm getting tired. My mood will change too. Like I, I won't want to like get out and ride. Like I love getting out and riding, but if I've been doing too much, I'm not going to want to do it. Um, and I'll get grumpy and maybe I'll like, uh, you know, get mad at my girlfriend for like, you know, making a bad curry or something for dinner. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> never bad curry, but, um, you know, it's like mood is another one, right? Yeah. Yeah. That definitely yeah. changed. And that's one thing that I did. Um, we tracked that in a study that I did for you. We tracked, it's a super easy profile of mood state. You just like say how you're feeling. And yeah, like, I like don't know how they get the numbers. About 50, 50 to a hundred questions. And it's like, you know, um, I can't remember if it, yeah, it's like disagree, strongly disagree, like agree, strongly agree kind of thing. And it's like anger. Um, I don't know, like passiveness, like, and just yeah. all those questions and the we'll all, link um, one. we'll link one to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah. You, there, there's heaps online and they'll give you the score, your profile of mood state score. Um, and that and lines can, up really well with being overtrained. Like if your mood state uh, goes down, like it's also, it usually indicates that like something's not right with, you know, the rest of your body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I think, I think we're sort of structured there. <laughs> that yeah, um, well, overtraining cues is going to be different for everyone. But I think that like with anything, if you, you track a trend over time, um that's where um it's it's going to be most obvious and i did a, a video it's on it's on facebook um tracking my i looked back at the the track of my um fatigue freshness curve in strava so a lot of people have strava because you know strava yeah. and uh and they have a, a good feature if you pay for the premium one um and it shows you you don't like you don't need to be super um, uh, experienced in data analysis or anything. It kind of just shows you like, this is your fatigue, this is your freshness, and this is your fitness. If you see your your like fatigue going up and up and up and you feel crap, you're like, oh, okay, I should rest. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, and so you can see on mine, um, so the video I did, I, I went through and I showed like, Okay, here's my base phase. I just built fitness and fatigue in a controlled manner. Then I had a break. Then I did a block of like marathon specific training. Then I had a break. And you can see like fitness and fatigue and then um, freshness. They all like, you know, fitness and fatigue go up and freshness goes down. And then I rest and they, um, you know, the lines sort of go over each other. And you're like, cool. And then it gets to the last part, just like three weeks before the race. And boom, I got really tired and I knew I was tired and I was like, I'll just do this session and then it's done. Like then my training is done. And it was, and it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Like I needed to, um, potentially I did too much in that block, whatever it was, but I just, I, I knew where I was and looking back on it, um, like I should have just stopped. Like what was one extra session going to get me, um, in terms of, of my performance? Like, like you think that's that's the thing. Like that's what's going to make the huge difference. That's what's going to take ten minutes off my time. Yeah, but it's like, not. It's yeah, not. It's what it's you've just, done in this like six months leading up to it. It's not yeah, like I'd, that one session. It's my what you've biggest ever, um, like most dedicated block of running 
ever like i averaged over 100ks for like 20 weeks you know like like why i why i thought that a few sessions and runs over over like a five-day period was going to make or break it and then even like going into the final couple weeks i was like well now i'll just chill out and i've just got two like tweaker sessions they were still reasonable and still like just kept adding that fatigue but i was like well i need to do them otherwise i'll suck yeah it's just um and Oh, yeah, well, I could justify year. it. I could. Um, yeah. But it's hard next- when you're in it, you know, like I wasn't ridiculously tired. I was sleeping well. I was monitoring my sleep. Um, I was craving quite a bit of sugar. Um, but then like I was at the end of a training block. So it was really hard to, and like, I was hitting my times in the in the sessions. Like I killed the last session. So that makes it hard where you're like, yeah. so I was, like I was on the overreaching, but I just hadn't timed it right. Like when, so now in the future, I need to know, like, actually I need to be here three weeks out, not two weeks out because going into the race, I felt like I was almost there. Just almost like my time wasn't horrendous. Like I was just a bit off and I was just, yeah, I just needed like a few more days, like another week. And it would have been right up there. Um, yeah yeah i mean the way you talk about it, you make it sound like it was a disaster but you actually <laughs> did have a pretty like reasonable performance just not exactly where you, like you had a good performance it just wasn't where you really expected it to be for going above and beyond um, yeah like what my training had indicated um yeah it was it was as it would like when when you look back and you're like okay i was just um a little i was in some form of overtrain like i was in a little i was in that short term overreaching um i was in there and that that showed you know that would be if that was one of the performance indicators it would be like oh yeah you're you're just a little off that's um we need a little bit more rest um unfortunately that just happened to be the race yeah and one week actually really could have made a big difference as well yes thanks yeah well you know uh, uh, next year i reckon just uh Send me an email, matt at mtbphd.com, and we'll schedule a, a consultation. Sort you right out for next year. How's okay. that sound? I'll give you a discount. Mention you that you heard it on the podcast, and I'll give you a discount. All right. Thank you, <laughs> matt at mtbphd.com. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, well, I saw yeah. we, we had planned to talk about our experiences, but I think I just jumped the gun and, and no, really ran fine. through mine. Um, yeah, my my short term one, anyway long-term one was a lot dumber than that yeah okay i mean mine's pretty dumb too do you want to hear it <laughs> yeah go <laughs> yeah so this is like why i think like for us to talk about overtraining it's pretty good because we've been there like we know exactly what it's like we try and avoid it with all, all our athletes and we look at for those same exact indicators um you know like th- those exact things that you're talking about are those the exact things that i'd be looking for with my athletes and you know that's what the coach does is says okay it's time to pull back um and like one of the problems with this whole overtraining stuff like we read these articles and stuff these scientific articles and the research is a bit shaky on like why does overtraining happen um what are the exact like biochemical indicators to catch it before it does happen like that research just doesn't really exist like no one really knows why exactly it happens or what the magic number is to make overtraining happen 
Well, we uh, read that that article from 1993, and we thought it was from like last year. Like, yeah, I thought someone wrote it yesterday. That's how far the like we've progressed in terms of our knowledge of different indicators, but they're so varied and so different for so many different sports and athletes. It's like you're still like it's 2019. We're still overtraining. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Sadly. I mean, it's, it'd be scary though. Like if everyone could get it perfect, wouldn't it? It would. Like everyone would be like absolutely flying and you'd have to be like super dedicated. Like, so in the future, when like the world's run by robots and like, we have all this time to like be training um, and we can get it exactly perfect. It's just going to be about genetics. So I guess we'd be out of jobs, wouldn't we? Yeah. Sounds but, like um, it. Yeah. That's at least 2020s. So we got some time, but um, yeah, like, um, I guess I never really had a coach like properly. Um, so I was pretty much either overtrained or undertrained at all times. Um, so if we go back back in the day in the early 2000s when 24 hour racing was quite cool and like ultra endurance mountain biking, I was doing a little bit of that. To be and, fair, um, you weren't cool. So this is kind of skewed. No, no. I, I mean, I did like predate the bum bag. Like I was running a bum bag with my tools in it for, at bike races before like it was a cool thing to do. You know, so 2004. It's cool now. That's why I say that. So, you know, I was just, I'm just a bit before my time. But, um, you know, I really had no way to like guide my training. And this was in the time where like you could take a heart rate monitor with you and like it makes me feel old if i say it like this but it wasn't that long ago like like same heart rate strap same watch but you couldn't download it yeah like you could only see it in real time right so if you're like going like blasting down a downhill you have no idea what your heart rate is because you're not looking at it if you're going up a technical climb on your mountain bike you don't know what your heart rate is because like you're not looking out power meters barely existed like only if you're a millionaire did you have one the pros didn't even run them because no one knew what it meant. Yeah. Um, and like, I just would dig myself into these deep holes of overtraining. So one of my problems was like, I loved doing long, easy rides and I pretty much had that dialed. Like I could go out and do a long, easy ride um, and eat like a bunch of donuts. Like I could do that whenever I had time for, to do it and yeah. I'd be all good. But I also, I really hated doing like, aerobic intervals like uh you know like tempo threshold kind of thing but yeah. i really loved sprinting so i would pretty much do long rides and sprints and um you know and that's kind of like it that they're those are really good things to do when you're training for any different kind of mountain biking but i did way too many sprints so i'd come into the season um into the mountain bike season having done like a huge base and I'd get into the first couple races and we were racing a lot. And my first couple races would go really well. And I'd be thinking to myself, oh, this is awesome because now I'm going to start doing my sprints and I'm just going to get way better. So I'd, you know, finish a race on the weekend, come home, do my sprints, race again, and the race would go okay, right? You know, so a couple weeks and the races would progressively get a little bit worse. Long rides, races, sprints, long rides, races, sprints. And I get into the middle of the summer and I would just be going backwards. Um, 
and I just didn't understand. So the only answer to me was to do more sprints, <laughs> right? It's, uh, yeah, I know. It yeah. makes sense. It makes absolute sense. Like if you are slow, you need to go harder. And like, I couldn't really put two, two, two and two together because I didn't understand what was happening. So I'd look at my heart rate and I'd be doing like this all out, like five minute effort, which, you know, now that we understand power, we know that's not a sprint. And I, but I'd start it, I'd like, I'd hit it as hard as I possibly could. And, you know, I'd be looking at my heart rate and be like, ah, oh, normally I can get it over 200, but now it's at like 170. I guess I'm not trying hard enough. <laughs> Right. So I try harder. And then, you know, I finished the session I'm like, yeah, well, I went pretty hard. That should be good. And it was just a downward, downward spiral for about about a year. And um, I got found myself at the national championships pretty much out the back, was going nowhere up the hills. And um, pretty much for a really long time, I, I just couldn't ride and I didn't understand it. I thought I was sick. So I was going to all these specialists. I went to a chronic disease specialist. I went to like this weird, like homeopathic, like specialist. Um, we're just trying, we just thought I was sick. They thought I had like some weird virus. Um, and then they checked my heart and they found something like I had this uh, same blockage that you told me you had a bundle branch blockage, which just kind of means you have a developed heart from training. And we thought that was the problem. But, um, you know, it was a really sad cycle where I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't performing well in the thing that I really wanted to do well at. And um, I just got really depressed and uh, stayed that way for a long time until I was able to rest and recuperate and get back to where I wanted to be. And that probably took, you know, a few years all up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mine doesn't sound too dissimilar. Um, so... Yeah, like I, I was at university, I was like pretty much 20 years old when I started triathlon and um, coming from rugby, like you train hard, team sport, you just sort of do hard things. And then, so, I mean, this is most people's understanding of things. You're like, well, I want to get faster, so I'll train harder, you know, so I'd come back from a run and just be absolutely wrecked, just... <laughs> And, uh, and I was like, good, like nailed it. And initially that was like, not such a bad, uh, like it wasn't great, but it wasn't such a bad thing because, um, I wasn't training very often, you know, like my runs were, were 20, 30 minutes kind of thing. I'd sort of like find, try and get a, a 5k loop and just try and do it as hard as I could. Um, and then like, I was so atrocious at swimming that. Um, I couldn't really go hard for very long because I'd have to stop at the end of the pool for a couple minutes. It's a perfect interval training. Um, and then on the bike, yeah, just like I needed to, so the sprint triathlons, a 750 meter swim, a 20K bike and a 5K run. So like do a little bit of a warm up, ride 20Ks as hard as I could. And then generally what would happen, I remember now is like, I'd get so tired, I'll just give up at like 10 minutes. But I'd have a rest and then try again for the next 10 minutes. And all I was looking at was speed, you know? Um, and I hope I, I hope we don't sound condescending to people who are like, Oh shit, this is me. This is me in a nutshell. It's just, yeah. um, we've just, we've, we've just been through this. So it now like, I mean, this is 10 years on after like 10 years of like 
studying and research and working with athletes um it just looks silly but it's i guess it's yeah it's potentially what people are going through now yeah anyway, i think until until someone has like like there's no like it makes sense like you go hard you get faster right no pain no gain like that's a brand slogan isn't it and um like i think we're conditioned to think that that like that's the way to get faster like the only way to get better is to absolutely suffer crossfit um yeah yeah the crossfit way um but yeah we don't like i don't think anyone's going to take this hopefully not take this the wrong way because we're we're just talking about ourselves like this is exactly what we've done yeah and uh and like once we got the education um to like understand what to do and like how how it actually works what's actually going on in the body like that's when you know we made the change um yeah so and then i went through that for like my first year kind of thing and it was because i wasn't training huge amounts and i was still drinking a lot at uni so you know i was pretty hung over for quite a bit so i'd miss training a lot um obviously and uh and then then i was like just i don't know my personality and the like i was doing biochemistry and there's a sports science sort of paper in there so i got a heart rate monitor i was like oh heart rate monitor training all right and this is what i'm going through with a lot of people now now that i absolutely love heart rate training i was like this must be wrong like i can barely run that fast like normally i can run quite fast and in my like normal like general 30 minute to one hour run this heart rate monitor says i need to run way slower nah and then i sort of like i kept noting it down in my training diary i had a notebook and uh and it was yeah it was like you know 170 180 average like because you know you watch you can upload them or whatever but it'll give you the average and uh yeah and so then i yeah i was like adding some more and then i started training with some like uh some of the elite guys um one of one of them now is like well he always was mike phillips but he just won ironman new zealand so this is like you know eight nine years ago i started training with this guy and he was like better than me so i was like oh yeah well i should train more when they're not training like i'll do their training with them like our group stuff and then and then i'll go and do some more or like i'll bike to running and then do running and uh yeah that it initially made made me better it's definitely made me a better athlete um until it kind of just made me i don't know tired and plateau so then i like i was in like this position where yeah i was getting overtrained, but i still wasn't doing a huge huge volume um you know because i was so new to the sport i thought 10 to 15 hours was was massive um when and you know what well, it kind of is but um on the scheme of, of of things like i was a student i wasn't really doing anything um i was sort of able to maintain that but i was in the position as well where you know you're like oh i did this session so that means i should be able to race at least better than that so now you have an over expectation of yourself you go to the race you don't do so well train harder like you know and so then you're in that that vicious cycle you talked about um and and yeah i pretty much just sort of like was doing that for for a couple of years and before i met um professor steve stannard came up to do my honors and um you know uh sport and exercise it's like oh yeah slow down so i'd sort of 
started understanding that. So got out of that overtraining kind of part. And, um, but then I, I got more attached to like doing more and avoiding those hard sessions or making that excuse that, well, you know, that didn't go so well because like I was, I was only in base phase, like, cause I, I had a lot of fatigue built up from all the large volume I was doing. Um, and I was doing it still like slightly a bit too hard, not easy enough. Um, and yeah, I sort of like started to, I do a race. I'd be like, I need to stop. So I stop and then get straight back into another huge block of training. And then one race would go well and the next one would go like, and then I was like, that's, that's, that means I'm doing everything right. I should train harder and then it'll go worse. And, uh, and somehow through that, I like got this one race really, really good. This half Ironman, I came third up in Auckland and I was like, yes, I can be a professional. That's it. Like I'm going to finish studying. I won't have that stress. Go to Australia with a couple of my mates. I'm going to train to be a professional. And that was, that was when the worst chronic training of my life happened. I when we landed at like Kieran McPherson, who's been on the podcast. He's, you know, very successful professional athlete now. Went over, landed at like, I don't know, say 5 p.m. that night. Had to like figure out our way from the airport to the place we'd rented. Next morning, 5 a.m. up, like 6K swim set. And that was just from there, it was all go. Anyone, any of the professionals there um, that were like, do you want to come for a ride? I was like, yep. And I'll try and rip their legs off. Like any run, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do. I just built up. So I went, I was like, here's my first week. This is what the pros do. This is what Javier Gomez does. It was like 30K swim. It was like 500Ks on the bike and 100 plus Ks of running. I was like, yeah, sweet. I'll start at like, keep the 30 Ks swimming and like the 10 hours of biking. I'll have that as my, my standard and I'll try and progress my running because, you know, progression. Yeah. So I started like 100Ks of running and I did 120Ks of running. Third week, I did 140Ks of running. And you'd think, I don't even know how I did this. And you'd think I'd be like, like just doing it all easy. I was wrecking myself. I was doing like 5K intervals. Um, I was, I was like, doing massive tempo runs off the bike, like race pace, like trying to do 10K and like, I don't know, 35 minutes, like off the bike, like, and then I did this 10, at the end of that, I had the Gold Coast 10K, which is massive, like really big event. I was like, man, I'm going to run so fast. I've been doing so much training. And it was like the worst run of my life. It was atrocious. It was so much slower than all of my training. I could, I felt like I could barely even finish. And I was like, man, I need a rest. And I have this in my diary. I need a rest, right? So I was doing about 30 hours of training and we had no car. So I was actually biking to swimming and everything. Just probably doing another 50 to 100 Ks of commuting. And, um, and so I look back on my rest week and my rest week is like 20 Ks of swimming, about 300 Ks of biking and about 80 Ks of running. Oh boy. And, uh, oh man, from there, it, and I started to like eat a lot, a lot of sugar, crave sugar a lot just to keep myself up. I was drinking a lot of energy drinks, um, and coffee with a lot of sugar and I wasn't sleeping very well. I felt really bad about myself 
And um, man, yeah, it took me a very long time to dig myself out of that hole because I never stopped. I just didn't stop. I just thought I'll just keep doing less, you know, and then, and then I'd still want to race. So then I'd try and pick it up. And it's just this vicious cycle for about two years of like this, yeah, like training really well and then going, okay, that's the, that's the indication that I've recovered. I'll push on. And then, and then it was just like, and so, so yeah. So it, like, that's not an, a unique story. Like your story and my story, they sound Unfortunately, it's not because it, like looking back on it, it really took, took like, yeah. Like including that that block when I was in Australia, like that was like two and a half years to get my physical capabilities back to where it's like, yeah, I could do whatever I wanted. So if you if an athlete comes to you, which a lot of times if an athlete's going through something like this, they're they're not going to seek help, um, just because they they do think like you you feel a lot of control of what you're doing and you think you're like you're doing it right, so. Like I was thinking, well, why would I ask someone? I'm not doing too much. But if someone came to you and they showed you exactly your training plan and that was what their training is, what would you say? Um, this has happened. And it's sort of like I, I try and break it down for them. Um, what I'm generally able to do is show the inconsistencies. Um, uh, in their training um so that was like it was a big realization i guess for me which helped get me out of it's like what what can i do every week like not what can i think i do like what i think i can do so i looked and i was like man over the last six weeks i've averaged 12 hours a week of training and that was either like five to seven hours or 20 to 25 hours so it's like that kind of thing. And I say, look, why don't we just try this? Why don't we just try 10 hours a week? Let's just see how you go. We'll do a little time trial at the start. We'll do one at the end. You track your mood or something. And we'll, and um, and so that's really how, we, like, I try to explain the, the physiology if they're interested. Um, but otherwise, like, I have, like, a two- to four-week reset um, that that I go through. And, um, and then... If the athlete's willing and, and trusting, uh, they're generally like, they'll, they'll do it and they'll be like, wow, I feel, you know, I feel a lot better. So yeah. that's sort of, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, if someone came to me and they showed me that, I, I would really encourage them to have a rest. And I think, like, I think it would be a hard thing to convince someone to do. Well, like, if um, I think about... Um, that time and not wanting to get a coach i didn't want someone to tell me i was doing something wrong and that i had to do less training yeah yeah same i was in the same boat like i don't what if they tell what if like what if they're only going to tell me i i can do you know 10 hours i don't like i'm fine i know what i'm doing it's, yeah yeah i yeah I think the the very best thing to do is like, and you know, this is why we have like set rest periods, like, um, because we know we're eventually going to get to that point at, at some time in the season um, of being, you know, kind of borderline overtraining. And we don't want that to happen in the important part of the season. That's why we have a total reset and we take time off. And, you know, like what I tell my athletes to do is just lock the bike away and don't even look at it. 
Um, and like something like that, that is the very first thing I would recommend is just absolutely have a break for, you know, at least three weeks. Don't even look at the bike. Yeah, I find that hard, um, like a harder kind of convincing. Um, that's where, depending on the level of overtraining, now that's like the last thing they want to hear, you know, it's like to do less. And maybe there's something more going on as to why they're training so much, but I find it's to reduce a heavily reduced training load and um, adding things in that, that make a training plan look fairly full. You know, if you put yoga in there, if you put like, um, I know like for swimming, you can use stretch cords. Like you start to add that stuff into a program, which is 10, 15 minutes. Um, you know, that foam roller stuff you don't believe in. I like put that sort of kind of stuff in there. Um, it's like, wow, I've got a lot on this week. I've got like three sessions every day, you know, and each of them is like 15 minutes in, in duration. And it's no effort. <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, something like that sounds really good, especially for um, an athlete that's super motivated and they are performing poorly and they keep getting worse. You know, they're not going to want to just do nothing in the day because you've spent months and months and maybe even years filling your entire day with lots of exercise and going too hard and feeling smoked at the end of the day. Um, so in my experience, what athletes kind of go through is they go through this period of actually even feeling worse and they start to feel even more tired because suddenly they really reduce their, their volume of exercise and they get like really sleepy throughout the day um, during this kind of rest period. But then it takes a few weeks and then you get back into the training, start out easy, you do some performance testing and you start to feel better, things start to go better and then you just build consistently and slowly from there. And that yeah, that rest period, well. because we're, um, I mean, in a basic level, once you begin to get overtrained, you're in this kind of chronic state of stimulus uh, or overstimulus. So that's why you struggle to sleep, like your catecholamines, like your adrenaline and stuff. Like, like when you have a coffee, that kind of, all those hormones are, are up. Um, so in overtraining, they're either up and you're like on and you struggle to sleep or that, or you've burnt out all those receptors and all of those hormones and you're down, way down. Again, okay? all you want to do is sleep. And that's very chronic overtraining. But so when you start to train, uh, when you stop to, when you, when you stop training, um, all of those hormones, they start to reset. And because you've overstimulated the receptors and stuff, it'd be like if you went from seven coffees a day to none. Um, it's that kind of response where you're like, I feel like crap because you now have like, you're actually recovering. And so your body is like, all right, I'm taking this because you don't give me any of this. So let's stop. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and that's why you can feel really crappy um, if you even just in a day off or a couple of days off and you think, oh, I feel better when I exercise. Um, sort of a short-term loss, long-term gain kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's all, And that's what the coach can help with is the long-term outlook, right? Because, you know, when we're doing our own kind of programs, we're just looking, you know, we're trying to look long-term, but we're mostly looking short-term because we're in the moment. We're feeling it all the time. Um, but I like those analogies of, the, you know, the body says this, like the body says, oh, give me rest and things like that. I like those. And sometimes I almost think of it as almost like a withdrawal kind of symptoms i like it's obviously it's a lot more it's a lot different if someone's going through like proper withdrawal 
but um <laughs> from like you know drug dependency or something like that pretty <laughs> serious but you know i i would imagine you know like what the way you see it depicted in the movie it's you know kind of seems similar when you're you know take yourself away from exercise and you just feel really bad for a, a little bit um but it's all about the long term if you want to stick with it stay motivated and keep getting better yeah and that leaves i guess to a bit of a plug for for my um endurance training hub that i've put together so what like i've i've found this i have um a firm belief that like if an athlete is able to like us like we look back on it and we're like oh that's so silly like what, what were we doing um but we the fact is we didn't know so it seemed right and i like that's why i created um well i wanted to become a coach and also created this like big resource where um i've put it like you can read books and things but that books are i guess like old school <laughs> um so do i made this like anymore pardon do they even make books anymore maybe ebooks yeah okay. uh this like hub like the endurance training hub where you log in and like i've put articles and videos and everything like so you can start to you can get a training plan like there's you know over 50 odd training plans in there that i've put together around this recovery and 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 base training and all that kind of stuff but also there's all the information so you're like why am i doing why is this training all so much easier than what i was doing why are there no interval sessions like it's all or like, oh, I feel like crap. Oh, there's a video on this. Like, oh, Will's done done this or the live Q and A's and stuff on the on the Facebook page. It's like, yes, it's my job, but I really just want to educate the public and show you like you can be you can enjoy exercise and improve your performance. Um, like if you just if you're if you're willing and able to understand um what's going on in terms of the physiology, um and the like if you saw my Instagram or Facebook post, like you don't need to train hard all the time. Yeah. It doesn't need yeah. to be really hard. Like you can improve like consistently through, through like a, a well-structured, easy training plan. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a hard sell on that style of training until someone actually tries it. And I sometimes have a hard time convincing, you know, people like downhill mountain bikers that easy training is really going to benefit them. Um, but yeah, once someone tries it and they like, uh, they just let it happen and, you know, just do it and they see the benefits of, you know, training properly. Um, yeah, then they're, they're totally sold on it. Yeah. And, and it is hard. Like I had someone, um, who's been on my training plan on the, um, in the endurance training hub and is like, Oh, I don't know if those heart rate zones are, are right. It seems really slow. You know, like, I don't know. I, I think I should probably run a bit faster. She's like, and saying that, um, I feel felt amazing, like so much better. I've been sleeping better. I haven't had anywhere as much as fatigue. And I did a four minute PB on my last race. And it's yeah, still like, a hard sell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it's still slow. Like you need to, it's like, oh, well, shouldn't I be, you know, doing it harder? Um, and and yeah, you can inter integrate harder sessions for those athletes that are like, you know, I need to, I need that in my, in my system. I need to be training hard. Um, yeah. It's, it is a, it is a hard sell. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, my advice would be, you know, just try it, like try like an easier 
training program. If you're feeling any of these symptoms like reduced motivation, poor sleep, um, poor performance, like your performances have gone down, weight gain, um, sugar cravings, anything like that, you know, just try changing your, your training and try those easy training sessions and stick with it for a really long time. Measure your performance and see how it helps you. Yeah, I think that's that's the that's the the best advice. Um, and like, there's a lot of like my mine um, the endurance training hub. You've got your training plans, Matt. Jump on jump on a training plan. Like for I, we talked about that in our easy our um you know um what is a gadget guide or money spending guide. Like for under fifty bucks to get a training plan. So you're like, okay, you can use it or not. It's sort of like it's not a huge investment to like a race that's going to cost you and you know a hundred plus dollars you're like okay I'll, I'll check this this training sort of thing out and you can use them again and again if you really like it um just so you don't have to feel yourself so accountable to all of your um your training otherwise um you know like matt and i did you're gonna end up just pushing beyond what you need to yeah definitely well, hey, well, right. I think that's a really good that's really good information um, for any kind of athlete. So, I think that was a cool one. So, uh, I'll look forward to the feedback and you know everyone like I've been really happy to, with all the feedback that we've gotten from the podcast. So, you know, if you have any comments on this one, just send it through to us on Instagram or Facebook uh, when you see us out on the trails. You know, just let us know how you like it and what you want to hear next. Yeah, that is. Um, we have been getting some good response and really appreciate it so yeah that's why we do it i see other podcasts i listen to they say leave us a review on itunes um but then i just saw that apple's getting rid of itunes so i don't know really where you're gonna leave a review but just like tell your mate yeah hey listen to this real cool podcast yeah these cool dudes yeah might cut that part out All right, Matt, have a a good week. Um, All right. And I'll catch you next Wednesday. See ya.